And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining us today is Dr. George Grant, pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Tennessee. Dr. Grant, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you. Great to be with you again, Dan. I'm always amazed how much the Lord accomplishes through you. (laughs) You're the founder of New College Franklin and president of Kings Meadow Study Center, founder of Franklin Classical School, and a host of other things, including books, etc. So praise the Lord that uh, you're a vessel being used of him. Well, amen. Thanks be to God for his grace and his mercy. It is a great privilege. Now, uh, you just came back from a trip, I believe it was, to Egypt. And um, that really interests me because we love to hear of what the Lord is doing in these lands where you think, well, nothing much is happening there. But I have a hunch that's not the case. So could you get us started today and tell us about Egypt? Yeah, you know, it's it's really remarkable. Egypt is a land that uh, at one time was the cultural and spiritual and theological center of the Christian world. Uh, the city of Alexandria, founded by Alexander the Great, uh, was uh, the place where things like the Septuagint uh, was translated. That's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And so it was Uh, very much a cultural and intellectual center early on, up through uh, the time of the New Testament. And in New Testament days, and in the decades and uh, the first several centuries afterwards, the the city was just an an incredible uh, source of uh, wisdom and truth. It was the city that produced Athanasius. It's the city that uh, produced the first response to the Arian heresies, uh, and as a result of that was largely responsible for uh, the emperor calling for the council at Nicaea. It, um, it was a place where uh, theological traditions, hermeneutical traditions were all launched, and the city of Alexandria and that northern section of Egypt in the Nile Delta remained largely Christian all the way up through to the beginning of the 20th century. It was only then that sort of a crackdown on the the Christians of Egypt started to thin the ranks as uh, many Egyptians uh, fled overseas. But to this day, northern Egypt uh, remains about 20 to 25 percent Christian. Uh, Egypt overall as a nation including the vast, vast city of Cairo, about 20 million people. Uh, but overall, uh, the the nation of Egypt remains about uh, 10 to 12 percent Christian. So in the Middle East, uh, Egypt is the place where there is more Christian activity than uh, just about anywhere else. And the church is now growing again. Uh, there's a strong evangelical and reformed movement there. Uh, The Presbyterian Church of Egypt has about 20 presbyteries and a number of thriving churches. So it's uh, it's a really interesting place. But I went not because of all of those things. I went to uh, help with the start of a new seminary that is aimed at raising up the next generation of church planters 
for all of the Middle East, across North Africa and places uh, like Tunisia and Morocco, uh, and then throughout the Middle East itself. I've, uh, as you know, worked for years in Iraq, and one of the great needs that we have had is a place to train pastors uh, to go back into uh, what have often become uh, war-torn communities and plant churches that will uh, bring an enduring gospel benefit uh, to those communities. So I was there to help with the launch of this seminary to teach the first semester of classes. And uh, it was, Dan, it was, it was truly a, a, a marvelous, eye-opening experience. It was a hard trip. Uh, physically and spiritually, but it was a good and fruitful trip. Oh, that that is really, really neat. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that's what was going on with you there. Um, when I think about a seminary like this, I think about it takes people to to run that. Well, obviously you can't be there <laughs> uh, right. too often. Um, have people come, has the Lord raised up people to help? Yeah, there, there are a couple of really strong churches. Uh, w- one of the churches is in the city of Cairo and is um, really a, uh, a very powerful influence in Nasser City, which is a section of Cairo. And uh, they have some uh, extraordinary people in the church. It's a church filled with professionals, architects, engineers, doctors, lawyers. And <clears throat> as a result... Uh, we were able to find some really fine uh, innovators and administrators to oversee the, the, this project. And uh, so we've, we've got great on-the-ground help. Um, there, there are a couple of people, Dominic Aquila, who's a former moderator of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America, the Evangelical uh, Bible believing, what um, one of the you know the the, the really strong uh, evangelical denominations in the Presbyterian world, he is uh, has worked for a number of years there in Egypt. Uh, there's an organization out of Orlando, Florida called um, Equipping Pastors International, and Jim Fitzgerald from that organization. Uh, helps to sort of oversee the, the, the project. Uh, for this particular semester, we had three professors. Uh, Dominic Aquila taught the Doctrine of Man, and uh, then there was a, a professor from South Africa, Peter Schmutz, who uh, taught the Gospel of Mark, and then I taught the Minor Prophets. And it's, it's very intensive. It's uh, all day, every day, uh, for 10 straight days. It's very, very intense. But we're able to cover a lot of ground, and you know, the, the students that we have are so hungry for the Word and so hungry to, um, to, to, to see the Gospel take root again in this region of the world. That is just a great delight, despite you know, the physical hardships and the danger and all of the rest that accompanies these kinds of things, it was uh, was truly a rich, rich experience. Now, now do you uh, envision people coming to this seminary, f- even from other countries in the area? 
Oh yes, yes, that that is the aim, and that uh, is uh, that's already happened, and we hope that it expands uh, more and more as time goes on. Well, that's that's uh, significant. Um, what is Egypt like in terms of uh, the persecution level? It's it's. Uh, you said it was what ten to twelve percent Christian. Is there persecution there? There is. There is a great deal of persecution uh, from the from the time of Nasser uh, and then his successor Sadat uh, on to Mubarak and then uh, uh, Morsi. There there was uh, this constant tension of trying to maintain the balance between that Christian minority which tends to be very professional, uh, very successful, partly because of the Christian worldview and a particular biblical view of economics and everything else. Uh, in Egypt, uh, <clears throat> a, a tremendous uh, number of those who are very successful in the culture happen to be Christians. So uh, it's in the economic interest of, of these dictators to uh, protect the minority, but there is also the, the sort of the undercurrent pressure from the Muslim Brotherhood to get rid of the Christians. And so uh, from the time of Nasser and Sadat and Mubarak onto Morsi, there was uh, always kind of these sporadic outbreaks of fierce persecution. Churches burned down, uh, attacks on churches. Just this last Palm Sunday, uh, there were a series of terrible attacks on churches where uh, scores of Christians were killed during Palm Sunday services. So it's it's very, very dangerous. Uh, The current dictator of Egypt uh, seems to have a a lot more charitable view toward the Christians and has actually protected them. And uh, part of the reason why this is a... um, a possibility for us to start this seminary is because of that protection. We don't know how long that will last, and we don't know how secure it actually is, but, you know, one of my philosophies in in missions is when the Lord opens a door, run through it, you don't know how long the door's going to stay open, just uh, take advantage (laughs) of the moment. Amen. (laughs) Uh, I can relate to that. Um, what about language? Um, what what language do you use at the seminary, and what are what is the language of the of the people in general in Egypt? Well, the, the official language of Egypt is Arabic, and uh, as it is throughout the Middle East. And uh, so, one of the things that we did was uh, the textbooks uh, for each of our classes. Each of the professors uh, either wrote their own textbooks or had textbooks that, uh, uh, books that they had written before that they sort of abridged, and then those were translated into Arabic uh, for the students. So all of the students got an English and uh, an Arabic version of the textbooks that we used. Um, uh, In addition, uh, the classes, uh, each of the professors taught in English, and uh, there is widespread English proficiency, but we also worked with translators, and so every single sentence, uh, you know, we're we're translating. So um, it's uh, you know it's it's a little difficult on day one or day two, 
getting used to that process. It's kind of a back and forth dance with your translator. Uh, but because of the wide English proficiency, it was uh, it was a really actually a delightful thing. The students themselves would give suggestions if a if a translator was wrestling with a particular word or whatever. It was it was a lot of fun. Mm. Well, that's neat. Do the people there, um, the Christians who want to learn, do they have enough books and references and commentaries and that sort of thing? You know, it's it's really interesting. The uh, the number of good books has increased dramatically in the last uh, ten years or so. Uh, there are, are translation societies in places like Lebanon, which also was at one time a majority Christian land and uh, remains uh, one of the countries in the Middle East with a strong Christian minority. Mm. Iraq, uh, interestingly, was. Uh, the other country in the Middle East that had a strong uh, Christian minority, along with Syria. And, of course, the wars have uh, thinned the ranks. Christians have left in droves, uh, both Syria and Iraq. But in Lebanon, uh, there's still a strong minority, and because Lebanon has enjoyed relative peace uh, for the last uh, 15 years or so, there, there have been a lot of uh, efforts bringing Christian literature uh, to to market, and so there's a lot of good uh, Arabic translation of uh, Reformed Christian uh, materials, as uh, as well as some of sort of the the, the pop evangelical stuff, mm-hmm. and so. There's, there's a lot available. Getting it from Lebanon to Egypt is not always all that easy. Getting it from Lebanon into Iraq or Iran or the Emirates or uh, Qatar or you know, someplace like that is, is really hard. But uh, missionaries and, uh, and other organizations are finding ways to get that done. So uh, w- w- there's more hope on that front today than... Uh, at any other time in all of uh, Christian history. Mm-hmm. As, uh, as there's crossing between countries, suppose you're coming into Egypt from another country, um, is there tight border security on at these country borders? Well, there is, uh, certainly, and, uh, the you know, the Arab Spring and then all of the unrest and then the Muslim Brotherhood with terrorism and everything has has tightened everything uh, Mm. pretty significantly. But students were able to get visas and were able to come in without too much trouble. Mm. And so for that, we were really grateful. You uh, you have a lot of extra scrutiny that that you didn't once have. Uh, As an American, I breezed through most of the security pretty quickly. Uh, But those who come from... Uh, say Iraq or Syria have a much tougher time of it, much closer scrutiny. But uh, but everybody was able to uh, to get there without too much trouble. Uh, Egypt was uh, is is the best choice for the place to have this seminary, simply because to teach a uh, a Muslim background believer, uh, in other words, someone who grew up in a Muslim home but converted to Christianity later in life. To teach them is a violation of Sharia law. Yeah, and so those countries where you have really 
uh, strict enforcement of Sharia law, there's no possibility of us having training centers or Bible studies or or anything like that, uh, except in um, sort of underground churches. So, uh, but in Egypt, we, uh, we we basically have this laxness because uh, General Al Sisi, the current dictator, really depends upon support from the Christians in order to maintain his coalition, and so that's uh, part of the reason why he's so much more generous uh, with uh, with Christian work in in the country, and then. On top of that, it's still that very strong, you know, 10 to 12 percent is a significant uh, minority that mm. uh, they're in Egypt. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, if I was over there, I would, I would have a certain fear. I know that's not, that's not allowed as Christians, but <laughs> I, I would, I, you know, the fear of the unknown. How do, you, how do uh, people deal with their fear as they, as they come into a Muslim land and they're, they're afraid of what might happen. Well, a certain amount of fear is is a good thing in the sense that it keeps you alert. It, it is a dangerous place. You know, the State Department does not recommend that Americans travel uh, to Egypt outside of Cairo. It's uh, you know to go to some of the spectacular places like Luxor or uh, even to Alexandria is, is strongly discouraged by the State Department. Mm. Uh, when I went to, I, I had one afternoon where I was able to, uh, I had a little bit of free time, and I went to Giza, which is r- really right in the heart of Cairo, uh, but that's where the pyramids are. And uh, I was I was rather surprised at the almost complete absence of of tourism, <laughs> and, and the, the the reason, of course, is that uh, all of the tourism and uh, Two revolutions in the last three years has just driven, uh, it's dried up tourism and driven out uh, the, the the desire of most folks to visit. So, all of that to say, it's 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 not unreasonable to have a certain amount of fear. I when when I got home, I, I called my father, and who's quite elderly, and uh, my younger brother, just to let them know that I was home safely. And both of them sort of expressed consternation, like, why do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, my my answer is uh, simply that, you know, if you're a fireman, it, you, you're not doing the world much good if you don't go to where the fires are. Yes. yes. And so, uh, though it is a, a, a relatively dangerous place, it's uh, it's... It's one of those uh, things that we we have to be vigilant in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's lots for us to do right here at home. You know, the United States is in uh, the midst of a cultural and moral revolution yes. that calls for uh, vigilance on the part of the church, and we've we, we've got our work cut out for us right here at home. But that does not exempt us from our call to the world. Yes, oh, well put. Um, while we're still talking about Egypt, you're, you're mentioning this seminary. Is there a name to the seminary? Well, in the United States, the, the seminary that provides all of the umbrella for this new work is the New Geneva Theological Seminary. It's headquartered in Colorado Springs, 
uh, Dominic Aquila is the president. And so th- they are our sponsoring seminary. So the diplomas that are awarded when a person uh, goes all the way through the Master of, uh, uh, Master of Arts and Theological Studies, uh, it says New Geneva Theological Seminary mm. on, on their diploma presently. But we're in the process of transforming this into uh, New Geneva uh, International. Wow. And our, our hope is to not only be there in uh, Alexandria, but also perhaps in Tunisia and, and or Morocco. So the, the vision is for all of North Africa, mm. and uh, then eventually uh, throughout the Middle East. Oh, that's so so exciting. Uh, some people um, have a feeling that, um, you know, time is so short that there's not too much we should be doing except kind of hunkering down. What would you uh, advise to folks like that who have more of a stunted view of, of, of things? <laughs> Well, what I would say immediately, uh, and as kindly as I could, I would say, if time is short, all the more reason for us to work hard. Mm. Because every life matters. Every life is, um, every person is made in the image of God. Every life is of sacred import. And if the time is short, that simply means that we've got less time to do sure. the work that we're called to do, so let's get at it. <laughs> Step so that's on the, the gas. First thing that I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is that, um, you know, the, the call of the gospel is, uh, is to do our job. We're, we're not supposed to worry. As Jesus explained to his own disciples, uh, we're, we're not to be... Uh, worrying about uh, God's part of the timetable, we only have our part of the timetable to worry about. And so if the time is short, which no one knows if it is, but if it is, that's really, that that, that doesn't really change the call that is on us. (laughs) Yeah, good point. I notice also that uh, somehow you managed to balance all your work. I, I, I was looking quickly at your website here for parishpres.org, parishpres.org, which is your church. And you already have this weekend's bulletin published on your website. So somebody's working very hard at keeping ahead on things. Well, yeah, we we do work hard to make sure that we're accomplishing the things that God has called us to. Uh, first and foremost, we're a local church. And mm-hmm. as a local church, we are charged with uh, the care of souls and the uh, the worship of the living God. And so uh, if if we're taking care of the rest of the world, but we're not taking care of home, then we've missed our mark. And so, yeah, yes. we, uh, we, we try to make sure we're uh, we're we're doing what we're called to do right here. Mm. We um, have maybe two minutes left. I'm thinking that that there may be a um, a younger family listening today. A mom, maybe a homeschooling mom. Um, lots of work at home. Little ones running around. Looking forward to Lord's Day worship, and yet worried about oh, when I bring my kids to church, they're a little bit noisy. Would you have any advice in closing for that mom and dad who 
really want to honor the Lord, but they also want their kids with them in the worship service. Yeah, well, first, we, we have a philosophy at our church, and uh, we even have it on our website where we say, you know, well, when you come and worship with us, you may notice a little wiggling and murmuring <laughs> and uh, some cries from time to time. Uh, and then at that point, I, I quote one of my theological heroes, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who once said, the sweet sights and sounds of a holy hubbub are to be held in delight by all God's people. Amen. Um, as, as our children learn how to worship alongside their parents, siblings, and covenant family, things sometimes get a little distracting, but we embrace this call as parents and as a congregation to balance the holy hubbub with being sensitive to others and remembering that it was Jesus who said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, right. and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Mm. Oh, I think it's precious to see these little ones in covenant renewal worship with God's people. And yes, we might have to put up with a little bit of noise, but they are being trained in the most holy things of God. Uh, to worship Amen. him with his people, and what a great encouragement. Uh, today we're talking with Dr. George Grant. And uh, Pastor Grant, if someone would like to visit your church and or your website, I know we already said it once, but uh, let us know again how to how to find you and, and your church. Sure, well, we're on Facebook, as uh, it seems most of the world is, <laughs> and uh, the, the name of the church is Parish. Uh, Presbyterian, and our website is parishpres.org. Yeah, very simple. Well, thank you very, very much, uh, Dr. George Grant, pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church, for joining us today. Bless you, my brother. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Right here on the earth like it is in heaven is lifted o'er us we journey in its light we follow as you guide us lead on oh God